Welcome to the top sports podcast you'll listen to this hour. This is the Marston Sipe Sports Podcast featuring Yanch. Month of July hiatus. It is time for the Marston Sipe Sports Podcast featuring Yach. This is the uh, the best hour of sports talk that you will listen to this hour. Uh, and I'm here with I'm Andrew Marston, Marst, and I'm here again with uh, Mr. Sipe himself, Benjamin Sykes, and Hello. Mr. Hello, Josiah everyone. Timothy Evans. How are we doing? He is charged. It's been a long time. Gucci down to the socks, honestly. Retweet to that. Yeah, I'm just drinking some lemonade right now. There you go, drinking lemonade. It's a good thing. On uh, we're getting ready to come out of summer, getting into August. But uh, yeah, we took a little bit of a break for the month of July, and now we are back into the swing of things. Uh, lots happened, so we'll need to hop right in. But just uh, any thoughts before we get going? Any quick sports thoughts? Uh. Team USA coming home with 113 gold medals. Just wanted to shout that out. I don't think it's on our docket for today, so just wanted a quick shout out, Team USA. Uh, 39 golds, 113 total medals, winner of the Olympics. Shout out, Team USA. Shout out, USA. Yach, anything that you got before we get going? Ditto to that. Uh, it's, it's August, so that means that Next month starts the best time of the year. Fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There it is. Fantasy football season getting going. Uh, and we will talk a little bit about the NFL later on in the program. But we have to talk about this because we talked all the way leading up to it and then kind of dropped it just before they finished. The NBA Finals. Ben, I am so sorry. The Phoenix Suns were defeated by the Milwaukee Bucks. But... Just a big question. We can kind of recap this, Ben. I'd love to hear your thoughts. But what did we learn from this NBA Finals? Uh, the Bucks winning it in six games. I think we learned that the Suns weren't ready for the Finals. They are very young. They are very, very young. Uh, the fact that they had no playoff experience and still made it to the Finals is a testament to how good that team can be. Um... I think that we learned that Booker can carry a team. Uh, and they were a couple games away from really winning that finals. I mean, games uh, five and six, both, really games four, five, and six, all three of those could have gone either way at any point. Um, so, I mean, they were they were there. I mean, they were there. Game three was the only one that they really didn't have any shot to win. Uh, but I still think that they're maybe a couple years away from being perennial contenders, which is weird because it doesn't quite fit into the CP3 contract. You know, it doesn't quite fit into what he's being brought on to do. But I still think that with a max on Aiton, a max on, on Booker, they're so young. Booker's 24, Aiton is 22, that... I think that we they're still a couple years away from being perennial contenders, and it's weird to say that, but it sucks when you lose, though. Uh, I think Monty 
said it best for me as a Suns fan in his post game, and I don't know if anybody saw it, but he got emotional and uh, you know he said I wanted it really bad. You know, um, uh, he said it's so hard to get here. I wanted it so bad and just didn't happen. You know, he said, I'm not going to take anything for granted. And I think a lot of Suns fans feel that way. 11 years, no playoffs. We're not going to take it for granted, the finals run. But Suns fans wanted it. I mean, and it just, it's a tough pill to swallow. But, you know, got to move on. Got to understand this is a young team and more opportunities to come. You know, um, Monty's favorite saying is more to do, more to come. Absolutely. And when you get that far, it's hard not to want it. Uh, you're right on the edge of a championship, uh, and especially for that team and the run they had. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot to learn uh, from the Suns' perspective on that. And, uh, Yage, I'd be interested to hear what you have of, about the Suns, but also kind of give us maybe your thoughts on what do we learn from the Bucks uh, throughout that NBA Finals. We heard a little bit about Ben and Monty Williams uh, for the Suns, but what are you seeing from Giannis? Yeah, I think that y'all covered pretty much everything with the Suns. I think that was uh, a lot of valid points that y'all brought up with them. Uh, so I'll talk a little bit about the Bucks. Um, I mean, Giannis, clearly Giannis is just an, a generational talent, and he's special. Um, but uh, what I noticed the most with this Bucks team is that Drew Holiday is quite the significant upgrade from Eric Bledsoe. Um, that mm-hmm. Bucks team was... Uh, just always right there on the cusp of being legitimate contenders in the East, and everyone was wondering what what was the reason, and then they made the move for uh, Drew Holiday, and everyone was kind of like, oh, okay, like, Eric Bledsoe for Drew Holiday. Let's see how this turns out. And Drew Holiday was a significant upgrade. Um, I'm interested to see how this uh, Bucks team moves forward without P.J. Tucker now, um, especially with several new uh, contenders in the East popping up. I think that Miami is going to be special. They uh, they have quite the clamps. rotation that they've built. The clamps, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm interested to see how Chicago plays. Um, if Beal stays in Washington, that could be an interesting uh, team to keep an eye on. I think they may have gotten the steal of free agency in Spencer Dinwiddie uh, coming off a torn ACL, but I think that he is still a... He's still a top point guard in the NBA whenever he's starting. I think that he has shown that he can be a top 15 guy uh, in the better half of the starting point guards in the NBA. But we'll see. Uh, Looking forward to this uh, upcoming season, seeing how uh, Milwaukee tries to defend their title. Um, Interested in seeing how Phoenix bounces back. a lot of new things in the NBA, and that's fun and exciting. I just wish that Kawhi would have left uh, L.A. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing mm-hmm. that I wish I, that, uh, that I wish we could have seen. Could, would have loved to see Kawhi in Dallas. Yeah, I was I was about to say that. Could you imagine Kawhi sitting next to Luka Doncic? I mean, you got the clamps and what I believe will be, at the end of his career, maybe the greatest offensive force we've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, we... We could have had it um, right there, uh, but Kawhi choosing to stay in L.A., and we'll talk more about uh, free agency and how that's going because it is a wild ride. And like you were saying, Josiah, with uh, some of the defenders going down to Miami along with Jimmy Butler and what's already there, Bam Adebayo, uh, coming fresh off of that Olympic run. Um, but I think it's interesting how is Milwaukee team really built off of 
the defense of P.J. Tucker, Drew Holiday, um, even uh, at times, yeah, Giannis, Giannis I think at times Brooke Lopez and uh, Bobby Portis were able to hold down the fort down low and really carry them a long ways, but Portis was the Portis might be the steal of free agency and, and just the value that they got him for. Brooke Lopez, for Brooke Lopez price. in that finals was phenomenal. He really was. Uh, watch, I watched every single game, and like, it wasn't that he was the best player on the court at any point, but he hit shots when he needed to. You couldn't, you couldn't put a smaller defender on him because he just make your barbecue chicken in the post. You know, um, so he was Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday to me. Because Giannis is going to get his. Giannis is going to get his, no matter what. 50 piece. Yeah. Uh, not 51, not 49. 50. Yeah. He was going to get his, but I I agree with Joe. I think Drew Holiday was a huge difference maker. And I think Brooke Lopez kind of killed us a bit. So here's the question, though. And we kind of talked about this a little bit, but I want to push further into it because... It's the finals. I mean, it just happened. Can the Bucks run it back? Like, scooting forward into the next season, do we believe that the Bucks are a serious contender to, to run it back with the roster that they have? Because, I mean, they lost P.J. Tucker. They haven't made any big splash uh, in free agency so far. Do we feel like this team, besides bringing back Bobby Portis, obviously they kept some pieces. But how are we feeling about them next season? Can, can I – can I get a can I get a preface from you, Marston? Is Brooklyn healthy, fully healthy? Um, sure. Yeah, let's say that Brooklyn is healthy going into the no. playoffs at least. No. Okay. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, I mean, Brooklyn now has Patty Mills too off the bench, which yeah, it's Patty Mills in the Olympics is always so much fun to watch. Yeah, um, he went off. And, uh, him leaving, the Olympics. him leaving San Antonio was officially the end of the Spurs era, um, which was kind of sad to see, but uh, he was the last remaining piece of a Spurs title run. Um, and now Spurs are like fully embracing rebuild mode, which is going to be interesting to see, especially with Pop nearing the end of uh, his time with the team. He's probably heading towards retirement here pretty soon, but uh, I just think that Brooklyn is scary. Mm. Um, Blake Griffin coming back, uh, and he kind of looks like he's loving basketball again. So that's really, really interesting to see and exciting to see. Um, and I think that Brooklyn can play some of the best basketball that we have ever seen. So mm. I'm really interested to see if we can get a full season of KD, Kyrie, and Harden. You know, and I think that this is going to be a bit of an unpopular opinion, but... I don't know if the Knicks got better. Even yeah, with no. their big um, additions, even, I don't know if they got at, better. Even looking at, like, um, I saw an infographic on Instagram about, like, placing bets on the Knicks winning the championship. Uh, it was the same before and after uh, acquiring Kimba. Um, and Evan and, Fournier. And Evan Fournier. Um which, I mean, that's granted, that's a huge signing for them because that also nerfs uh, Boston a little bit. Um, but I I don't know. Uh, I don't – Julius Randle will have to keep up his level of play. I don't know if uh, 
But I don't know if New York is going to make it out of the first round again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They're just going to have a tough time beating teams with a lot more experience than them. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier do not have much playoff experience at all. Mm -hmm. Neither one of them, despite being, what what are they, 10-year veterans at this point, they don't have much. And the little bit of experience that they have, they both have disappeared. Mm, mm-hmm. Like, Fournier looked bad in that series against Brooklyn. Um, and uh, Kimba is just known for choking. Well, yeah. Uh, Can I just... I was really hoping that we could possibly pull off a trade with Kimba, but uh, granted, it's going to be a lot better in the long run. Just We've shown Shay that this is his team. We've fully mm-hmm. moved on from Kimba. And I think that that is what's best. I mean, I guess we didn't get anything in return for Kimba, but uh, at the same time, we kind of did because now sure. we can just focus on rebuilding yeah. this young core um, and moving forward. And I, I think that Kimba making eight million is about uh, what he should be making here in the next couple of years. He's going to prove that he's kind of like that mid-tier point guard, and that just his numbers were a little bit inflated in Charlotte. Well, can I just add? I think with the Knicks. Like, the way that Derrick Rose played in the playoffs last season, if you're going to take shots out of Derrick Rose's hands or take the ball out of Derrick Rose's hands, I want somebody better than Kemba Walker doing that. Because uh, Kemba is likely going yeah. to be the starter. Uh-huh. If you're going to And move. so Derrick yeah. Rose is going to get less playing time or at least less touches because he's going to have to share it with somebody else. And I don't want that to be Kemba Walker. Like, I'm fine if you bring someone in who's a true star to take that out of his hands. But he was... The best player that the Knicks have in the playoffs. My my other problem is how do these players stunt the growth of their young squad, right? So what the Suns did in this offseason I think is very different than what the Knicks did, right? The Knicks brought in big names, other talent, right? But how does Evan Fournier stunt the growth of R.J. Barrett? How does... Kemba Walker maybe stunt the growth of R.J. Barrett as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the same thing. How does Fournier stunt the growth of maybe Randall? Because now Randall's not going to get as many touches. Barrett's certainly not getting as many touches. Uh, you know Derrick Rose isn't getting as many touches. You know Mitchell Robinson's just going to be camped yeah, out in the paint. It's, I, I'm just saying, like, adding studs is great, but... Not when it, I don't feel like it's great additions when you're taking touches away from young talent that need more yeah. touches. Well, speaking of young talent, we're going to move forward and we're just going to talk. Well, we will get to a lot of young talent with the NBA draft, but I want to segue this straight into the Los Angeles Lakers and their lack of young talent because uh, they have aged out uh, big time in this uh, recent the GM moves, uh, LeBron James taking over and trading pieces, bringing in new pieces, some friends like Carmelo Anthony, uh, former Lakers, uh, Dwight Howard, Kent Bazemore, guys that have been in the organization before, but this team got old really quick. Um, and so we talked about, did the, mm-hmm. ne- did the Knicks get better? Are the Lakers any better? I mean, I know these are some big names, but some of them haven't the Lakers were awful last season. The Lakers were quite literally I I would have much rather seen Golden State in the playoffs than that Lakers team. I wish that the the Warriors would have won in the play in instead of the Lakers. That Lakers team was awful. They didn't know how to play team basketball at all. Um I think this Lakers team is gonna be a 
one and done. You have one season together. Let's make it happen. Um, but I think this team is much better than this last year's Lakers squad. That Lakers squad last year looked awful, awful at points. Um, you bring in Dwight Howard, uh, who is a skilled – I mean, he's – you have five Hall of Famers in your starting lineup. It, granted, they might be old. They might be aging out. Melo's still going to score on you if he wants to. Dwight Howard is still an intimidating presence in the paint. Um, you bring in shooting off the bench. Uh, uh, you move off of Schroeder. You move away from Kuzma. Great, great moves, both of those. Uh, KCP's gone. Harrell's gone. Harrell was just a cap space blunder. Um, he was he was not someone that they needed to bring in. Um, I think that this Lakers team got much better, um, and I think that they are going to have that matchup with the Nets in the finals that everyone was looking for. Wow, hot take right there. I mean, because I I'll, I can I just say real quick, Dwight Howard hasn't been a starting center in this league for three seasons. Like, to put him into the starting lineup of this team, like, I feel like is a major step there that kind of seems... He's maybe not been a starter, but he has been a solid contributor, and he's better than most starting NBA centers. I don't agree, but I want to hear what Ben thinks on this. I don't agree either. Uh, better than most he, starting NBA centers? Than most, I don't think he's better than most starting NBA centers. I'll take that back, but... I'd take him over guys like Cody Zeller or Mason Plumley. Maybe I'd take him over Plumley, but not Zeller. And I don't think Zeller is going to be a starter anymore now in Portland. I think that they're going to move him to the bench. But I just I don't see it from Dwight. Um, Ben, do you have any more thoughts on this? I mean, the guy averaged for points. I uh, seven points per game last. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. I didn't think it mattered what LA did this year. I I don't – I think the core of that team remains LeBron and AD, and I think if they have it going, they have it going, and it doesn't matter who you put around them. And the fact of the matter is they didn't have it going last year, and they didn't have it going in the playoffs. To me, it was less important of who they added and more important about who are you putting with that core. And they put Russell. And I was intrigued, obviously. I don't know how well it will work. I, I think it's intriguing. Um, you're just adding. You're making a big three, essentially. I mean, and anyone who says it's not a super team is wrong. That is a super team. You added Russell Westbrook, a man who averaged a triple. He, he averaged a triple-double last year. He averaged a triple-double last yeah. year. Yeah, so a man who averaged a triple-double last year, and not like a small points, like 10-10-10. He averaged like, what was it, 25-10-12 or something like that. Um, here's Here's the thing for me. The Lakers didn't have a big man rotation last year. They had names that made that made people think they had a big man rotation last year. But Harrell and uh, Andre Drummond and Marcus Hall, who they have back, I don't think he should be playing. Uh, I don't think he should be starting. I think that it should be Dwight starting. Um, but those guys looked atrocious at points throughout the season. Mm. Um, and they never got it together and they never got it working. So even if you view Dwight Howard as a downgrade compared to the rotation that they had last year, now that they have Dwight Howard and Marcus Hall, Russell Westbrook is that much better and more compared to Dennis Schroeder. 
So here, here is my, my issue with their big man rotation. Why is AD so opposed to playing the five? That is here. Here is my issue. Right, he would be the best five in the NBA. To me, mobile, quick, rebounds well, great defense, good shot blocker. Uh, actually, great shot blocker. Uh, can bang down low. Um, he's obviously strong. He's got a lot of strength. He's got length. He's got height. To me, and I mean, obviously, it's argumented. It, it would be between him and Embiid and, and Jokic, as as I think we can all agree. But to me, I think AD is better than Jokic and uh, Embiid uh, when he's healthy. But why is he so opposed to playing the five? Because I feel like they could have gotten a lot better if you move AD to the five and you pick up a, a spacer at the four, a Paul Millsap, a, uh, a I'm just throwing out names like Lowry Markinen, uh, uh, you know, some somebody like that. Uh, Carmelo you know, Anthony. Carmelo, a little old, little old, but not not He's a bad choice. Not not much older than Paul Millsap. Yeah, not a I bad. Think they choice. might even be the same age. Not a bad choice, but but yeah. you know that's that's I to me it spells weakness out of AD. It's it spells that he's afraid to bang with bigger. Oh yeah, five. he's on record. You know what I mean. He's well, on record, kind of, for his uh, dislike of playing the center position. Um, SB Nation says that when he came to the Lakers, he didn't want to play center, and so I think part of that is he said he, I like playing the four. I don't really like playing the five, and I think that that kind of shows what people said about AD last season: is does he have that? competitor's uh, mindset and then also is it a thing of he's worried that he might get injured more I mean street clothes Davis playing the five versus the four maybe more injuries I, but my, my issue with Davis is he already disappeared twice in the playoffs in two in, you know he played four he played three and a half games okay uh, the first game he was non-existent DeAndre Ayton made him look like a chump uh Next two games, he was phenomenal. He killed the Suns. He killed the Suns, and he, they would have won that series if he hadn't, if he had kept that up. But game four, before he got hurt at halftime, he was terrible again. He was awful. Um, so I mean, I'm just saying, like, in the playoffs and when I, you you you're great for two games, but you're also really bad for two other games. That's not killer instinct to me. I think the biggest thing that has also changed is that like. Looking back on this last season, LeBron looked like he didn't want it. He looked like he was not enjoying the squad that he was playing with. Um, and he's known for being a, a leader, and it was almost impossible for him to lead that squad. Uh, now you bring in someone like Westbrook, who is just intensity all around. He's going to bring the heat. He's going to uh, make guys around him better, uh, more intense. They want to uh, play uh, to win. Um that's what Russ brings to this team. And I think you bring in Dwight Howard, one of the best bigs of all time. Uh, Who's about five years past his prime, but that's beside the point. About five years past his prime, but that's not the point. Now you have Dwight Howard, one of the best big men of all time, one of the best defensive players of all time. Uh, and you bring him in to mentor Anthony Davis and help him grow into that five role. Um, mm. if you, if you set Dwight Howard with Anthony Davis and you have them, uh, guard each other in practice, you have them, uh, you have them just 
create this kind of like mentor-mentee relationship. Um, I think that we can see Anthony Davis blossom into that uh, five that everyone wants to see him play as. Um, whereas guys like Drummond, guys like Harold, guys like, uh, I mean, even Marcus Hall, um, none of them were going to help uh, AD take that step. None of them were going to help AD elevate his game in the paint uh, to become that kind of big that everyone kind of fears, kind of like uh, how, I mean, Embiid took a big step last year. Who knows what kind of relationship him and Dwight Howard had, but Dwight Howard was uh, there, and so he probably played some sort of role. Um, and so it's going to be interesting to see this Lakers team. I think that they got significantly better compared to last year because last year's team, I, you take, I mean, granted, most teams that LeBron has been on in his career, you take him out, he's, they're not a playoff team. But you take LeBron off of this Lakers squad that they had last year, and I, I think that they are in the odds for the first overall pick, um, even with Anthony Davis on that squad. Hmm. Um, that was not a playoff team, in my opinion. That was not a team that knew how to play basketball together. They had talent, but they didn't know how to translate it onto the court. Um, the Lakers got significantly better this year. Significantly I, better. I will agree with you on one point. Uh, Dwight Howard on that team, just like we said for the Knicks, that uh, Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier may not help their young talent. I think Dwight Howard could be a help to Anthony Davis moving forward. So I think that that's a fair point there. I disagree on your Lakers take for this year. I just do. I think that they're a five seed at best this year. Um, I don't see them doing better than that. I disagree. Because um, I think injuries are going to catch up to him again, too. I mean, I think AD is going to spend a quarter of the season at least on the bench. Uh, and then who knows how LeBron turns out. I just And then they don't have – I just don't see it. But let's blend together real quick. Uh, just for time purposes, I want to talk a little bit about the NBA draft, but also NBA free agency. Who would you say right now, over the course of this offseason, has really improved themselves uh, maybe the most? Um, or some of your top teams that you think have made just great moves to, to get better? Uh, that can be free agency or the draft. I'd love to hear a little uh, bit of thoughts on that. I think the Rockets had the best draft. Uh, they nabbed three guys uh, that I thought... They got their guy in Jalen Green at the two. Uh, and then at 23, they got uh, Garuba. And at 24, they got Josh Christopher, who I'm high on because he's an ASU guy. Um, I liked what the Rockets did in the draft. I really liked what the Rockets did in the draft. So for the draft, the winners to me are the Rockets. They're a very young team. They have nothing to lose. Why don't you go ahead and just roll the dice and, and try and, and get weird with it? Uh, I always like getting weird with it. So... Um, I think the Rockets had the best draft. And free agency, I mean, it's it's hard to argue that many people had a better free agency than the Lakers. I mean, like, for better or worse, the amount of players they got for as little money as they got, they gave a lot less than a lot of teams are given big, you know, bigger name players. Um, uh, so... I like I like the Lakers. It's hard to say that they didn't have the best free agency. Uh, if we're looking at the draft, I I think that the Warriors, <laughs> I think they kind of dominated the draft. Um, 
bringing in Kuminga, uh, who's a defensive-minded wing, who's going to learn a lot under Draymond Green, and bringing in Moses Moody, who is a who's a scorer and is going to learn a lot under Clay Thompson. Um, I think that Arkansas guy, yeah. Um, I'm interested to see um, as an as a Thunder fan, I'm interested to see how this Giddy pick turns out because um, uh, he he's. He's talented, so I'm interested to see how that turns out. Um, if Pistons continue to tank, uh, Cade and uh, Cade was clearly the most talented player in this draft. Um, I'm interested to see uh, talent that they bring in around him. Cavaliers having uh, Mobley and Jared Allen. Um, and interesting. Now they have, it's interesting to say the least. Uh, I thought. It was guaranteed whenever they drafted Mobley. Oh, um, it's going to be a sign and trade with uh, Jared Allen, mm-hmm. uh, but it wasn't. Um, so I'm interested to see what they're planning on running up there. Um, I was, I was interested uh, in the Raptors drafting Scotty Barnes, especially with them moving on from Kyle Lowry. Um, why they didn't address that guard need? I guess they are fully trusting. Uh, Freddie Van Vliet yep. to run that backcourt. And I, Fred Van Vliet, uh, Gary Trent, that's going to be an interesting I think, backcourt. For some reason, I think that they think that they can compete next year. Because yeah. to me, they're rolling with Goran Dragic, which doesn't make much sense because he's a win-now kind of player. And Goran does not yeah. – Goran is a very competitive guy. I watch him a lot in Phoenix, and then I, I follow – I love – Everyone, everywhere he goes, love Goran Dragic. Everyone loves Dragic. So, it strikes me as weird that they... I think they're going to keep him. So, to me, yeah. it to me it looks like they want to compete for the playoffs. Um, it's interesting. I don't exactly know. And it goes back to a few episodes ago when I said worst futures. And I, was, and I mentioned Toronto as one of the teams with the worst futures. Mm. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah, me, me either. Um... It it almost feels like they believe that Pascal Siakam is ready to take a step into being a superstar, which he's not. Uh, he's just not that kind of guy that you build your uh, franchise around. Um, so it's just such an intriguing thing that, um, I mean, they're probably going to roll out a starting lineup of uh, Drogic, uh, Van Vliet. They'll have either... Barnes or uh, Gary Trent running the three, and then Pascal and uh, what's his face, uh, Precious mm. running the five. Um, which that's a that's a big move getting a second year player. Um, that's great for moving forward and kind of looking future forward. But I'm interested to see you know what happens with Toronto. I think they might be. <laughs> Uh, besides, besides Portland, of course, uh, they might be some of the biggest losers mm-hmm. this year. Well, can I just say too? I think that one of the biggest, one of the biggest head scratchers, but also it's about the most Spurs move that I've ever seen, is when they drafted Josh Primo, uh, Joshua Primo at number twelve. The Spurs did. Yeah. I got to see him play. He's a talented player, but I believe he was a freshman. At, uh, I could be wrong. I believe this is the guy that's thinking of. He was a freshman at Alabama. Um, they had yes. They had one good, like they, Alabama had a great season, 
But he looks like a guy who has a lot of room to develop. Like, he's talented, obviously, but to take him as a lottery pick was just a head-scratcher, really a surprise at that spot. But, I mean, that's kind of the Greg Popovich Spurs way, isn't it? Take a guy who you see potential in and let them, like, just immerse in the Spurs culture. So it'll be interesting to see how that turns out. But, well, uh... I just have one last question, then we'll move on from the uh, from the NBA. Give me one team that you feel like has been too quiet in this uh, free agency. Uh, I feel like the name on everyone's mind, obviously, is the Portland Trailblazers. Um, let Zach Collins walk, which I get. Um, added Tony Snell uh, and Cody Zeller. Uh, bench players, really. I mean, not significant impact guys. Um, but for argument's sake, uh, I think Portland is the obvious answer. I'm going to go with Dallas. Other than overpay Tim Hardaway. Uh, not much going on in Dallas, which is not the kind of offseason you wanted to see from a team who, who wants to get competitive in the playoffs. So... Looked for more from Dallas this offseason and didn't get a lot. Yeah, I, I agree with both of those takes. Um, Portland continues to show that they are not going to listen to the requests of Damian Lillard. Um, and I think that it is highly likely that this time next year he will not be a trailblazer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they have just disrespected him so much um all that he's given to their franchise all that he's done um even like being an OKC fan and seeing how we didn't do nearly as much as we could have for our stars I mean like whenever we lost KD uh the next season we brought in Paul George um we made moves that we thought were going to help us still continue to be contenders, and we were contenders there for a little bit, uh, even uh, post-KD, um, whenever it was Russ and KD, post-Harden, um, we continued to make moves that would keep us in contention, um, whereas I feel like Portland is making Damian Lillard make them be contenders. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I am shocked that... Damien hasn't been more outspoken on his uh, distrust and uh, anger towards Portland's uh, front office. Absolutely. It'll be interesting to see, but I think you're right. Portland and Dallas have both been quiet this offseason, and with stars, one getting a little bit older but still just as dominant, and then the other one young and at the start of his dominance. uh, That's not really what you want to see is a quiet offseason when you – Uh, got bounced early in the playoffs. So, well, that kind of wraps up our initial NBA talk. We kind of got caught back up to today, and so we'll keep up with that in the weeks to come. But as we go to break, I want to leave you with a trivia question. Or no, not a trivia question, sorry. This week in sports history. So this week in sports history, August 11th, 1919, the Green Bay Packers were founded by George Calhoun and Curly Lambeau. So Lambeau Field, the Lambeau Leap, it's named after Curly Lambeau. And the Green Bay Packers this week in sports history were founded. So take that with you into the break and we'll be right back right after this.
You're listening to the Mars Insight Sports Podcast featuring Yach. All right, and we are back on the Mars Insight Sports Podcast, and this has quickly become my favorite part of uh, each episode because I don't have to do much except for come up with questions. It is the lightning round. So start the music. I'm going to give Yach and Sype. Four questions, and they're just going to give me their uh, first thoughts at the top of their head. They don't know what these questions are going into it, but we're going to have some fun and just, uh, I don't know, shoot it out of a cannon. Here we go. Number one, I am showing you Mm. right now, uh, guys, on my screen, but you can look this up. It's a marathon runner at the Olympics who, at one of their early water stops, goes through and uh, he knocks over all of the water bottles on his way in a marathon uh, so the guys behind him don't get to get a water bottle on their way on the race and actually out of the 100 uh, some competitors 35 of them did not finish the race uh, because they felt like they had to pull out because of health reasons so guys uh, seeing this what are you just what are your thoughts i mean knocking over a whole line of water bottles and keeping competitors from grabbing them yeah so i actually saw this and read about it um and if you look at the video he's kind of leaning he's sandwiched between two guys and he's kind of trying to to get to the water bottles through two guys um i don't think it was intentional and if you watch his hands he's trying to grab them and i don't think he can uh because he's trying to lean between two guys and he's just kind of sandwiched um I really don't think it was intentional. Uh, I think it was a mistake, and it looks a lot worse than what he was trying to do. Yeh, what are your thoughts? Yeah, he kind of does look a little clumsy there, and he is reaching in between two people. Now, granted, people can uh, make things look more complicated than they actually were, and so that could be just him saying, oh, I am clumsy, I'm just knocking things over, whoops. Uh, But... It was a strategic move trying to uh, limit his competitor's uh, H2O intake. So, I don't know. I'm I'm big on hydrating or dehydrating, and so he did at least get a water bottle. <laughs> but the fact that he prevented people from getting their water bottles is not something that is pleasing, whether he did it on purpose or on accident. You know, I think the fact that if you watch closely here at the end of it, he grabs the very last water bottle in the line. Uh, as it's like it just looks so intentional but here's my other question then whether it was intentional or not if you're one of the runners behind him like that didn't get a water bottle and you saw the whole thing happen like what's running through your mind in that moment like this guy's an absolute jerk I, I don't think I mean it's been a while admittedly since I've gone running but typically when I'm running, I'm not thinking about anything. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just breathing, you know, I'm dying out there, honestly. So I bet I bet they're not even thinking. They're like, oh, God, I didn't get a water. Who knocked it down? Oh, got to keep fair. running. You're not even thinking about it. All right. And the next big news, uh, next question. So that was question one in the lightning round. Next question comes with a little bit of expansion talk in the college sports world. Oklahoma Sooners and Texas Longhorns, uh, it sounds like, are headed to the SEC in 2025. 
Uh, so switching conferences from the Big 12 to the SEC. Uh, obviously, football is at the front of people's mind with this, but it affects all sports. Just what are your thoughts on these two teams joining uh, the SEC, one of the now it's 16-team power conference? Good luck. I mean, I, I don't know how much of a chance they stand in football. I feel like OU has a better chance than uh, Texas does, um, just as of recent with their recruiting and coaching staffs. Um, but, I mean, you look around, uh, Arkansas is now a top-tier baseball program, so you at least have to face them. Um, and then... OU has a pretty solid soccer program, so I'm, I'm interested to see what they're able to do there. Um, don't know much outside of college football or college basketball, I'll be honest, but uh, I'm intrigued to see what it would look like because, I mean, even if we were like to take a look at it now, you're going to have complete roster turnover everywhere in the next four years, and there will be some coaching changes uh, in all programs, so... I'm intrigued to see uh, what this looks like and um, what it means for the SEC because I feel like we were kind of fading in people's minds as of recent, but I still think we're the we're the top division in uh, college sports, um, and so I think this is only going to make us better and only going to bring more light to the SEC, um, which I'm excited for. Listen, I'll be honest. It's it's. I prefer it to them joining the Pac-12, mm. just because the Pac-12 is so inconsistently good. Uh, Pac-12 is very dependent on uh, recruits, essentially, which every program is, to be fair. But I think even more so than the SEC, where you know that they'll get guys every year that are going to be really solid contributors. The Pac-12 have off years and on years. I'm a Pac-12 guy, so I prefer them moving over there instead of to us, where I feel like they'd be dominant. Um, in everything but baseball, Pac-12 in baseball is the best conference in in the Power Five. Uh, but uh, that's beside the point. But, uh, yeah, I think it'll be interesting, but it, play styles are so different between the Big 12 and the SEC that... I'm really curious to see how it goes. No, uh, I, I don't think it's going to go well. I'm just uh, in football. I'm going to say right now, uh, kind of unpopular opinion, maybe prediction, something like that. But I tweeted it out earlier this week. I think that with this, it signs a deal that it, from 2025 on, for like the next 15 years, I'm just going to go ahead and say 15 years, neither OU or Texas will win a single conference championship in a major sport for the next 15 years. I think it's a decade and a half. Because they aren't, I don't think that they're better in football. I don't think they're better in basketball than the top teams in the SEC. Uh, and I don't think they're better in baseball or soccer. So, I mean, take all those out. Softball. Maybe. OU is really good at softball. But Alabama is too. So, I mean, that, that might yeah. be the one chance that they have uh, is to take one in softball. But I just, I think that they will be in a perpetual rebuilding state. And so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah as the SEC just keeps on getting richer. So, uh, all right, so moving forward now, uh, that was question two on to question three. Peyton Manning is going to be an NFL analyst. How do we feel about that? How do we feel like he's gonna do? Do we feel like he's the, like he's the guy? I mean, Tony Romo surprised some people with his ability, but what do we think with Peyton Manning? 
Peyton Manning is a genius football player. I mean, every quarterback has their thing. I think Tom Brady is a phenomenal leader. Not saying Peyton Manning isn't a great leader, but, you know, Tom Brady's a leader, and maybe Manning wasn't the most skilled, but football mind, I mean, the guy is... He's a genius. I mean, he really is. Um, I'm excited. I like seeing smart guys in the booth. I really do. Uh, and it's not like they put dumb guys in, in the booth, but I, I really think that I'm excited for Peyton Manning. Um, if you're an NFL quarterback, you have an NFL mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so even a guy like Dan Orlovsky can have a successful analyst career. Right. Um, so imagine how successful someone like Peyton Manning, who in a lot of people's eyes is the second greatest quarterback of all time. Imagine how successful someone like, someone like him can be, in the, uh, whether it's in the broadcasting booth, whether he's uh, just an analyst on a talk show, um, whatever, whatever role he's going to play. Um, uh, in football is going to be special. Um, so I'm excited to see that. I also heard him say that he will not be giving any analysis from a booth because he is too tall to uh, sit in a booth, is what he said, that his head would hit the top of it. So just a quick update there, breaking news, Peyton I, Manning will not be in a booth. I also really like the, friend, the frenemy thing he's got going on with Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, could you imagine that would be the most listened to uh, NFL segment if you just have Peyton Manning and Tom Brady going oh, out you think, for like 30 minutes. You think Pat McAfee can get Manning and Brady on a show at the same time? Oh, absolutely. What a, what a trio McAfee that would be. Is, McAfee is connected to Peyton Manning already. They were teammates for a brief stint. Um, and so, yeah, I think that he'll easily be able to get them on the show. All right, so final question of the speed round. I just want to get your thoughts on this. Uh, Hasbula and Abdu. It's been a while since we've been able to talk about them, but Hasbula has reportedly refused $7 million, uh, in whatever currency it is. Um, I think even the article I'm saying here is their amount of money um, to fight Abdu. He's refused seven million because he's holding out for twenty million. What do you think about this? Uh, is this just good marketing, or does uh, I mean, does Hasbula have a point here? Uh, no, I just feel like they probably had an animal at the contract negotiation. Uh, I don't know if you've seen. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen animals uh, around. Oh wait, is that Abdu? No, it's Hasbula. Hasbula is scared of every animal he meets. There are so many videos of Hasbula running away from animals on the internet. It's so funny. Or, or he just laughs at the top of his lungs whenever he sees them. Yeah. Like that video of him with the monkey. So he either he finds he finds animals hilarious or he's terrified of them. So yeah. I bet he's holding out for like a, a pet llama or something like that. Uh... <laughs> So he deleted his Instagram this week. Oh wow! Uh, found that out. Um, I can't remember if it was. Uh, it's either he he deleted it or um, he his account was suspended or something. Um, but I went to look him up, and he's just not on Instagram anymore. Uh, so interesting. Let's. 
I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there with his account. Was it banned or did he delete it? Maybe he's um, getting I'm locked interested. in, ready for a fight. Uh, maybe he's mm. getting ready prepped for, for that, you know. Um, they they also might be waiting until Abdul-Razik turns 18. Let me see if he has already. Uh, okay, yeah, he, he has turned 18. There it is. Uh, so, it, he was 17 at the beginning of things, so. Well, that brings our lightning yeah, round to a close. So maybe they can make that happen. Uh, that was good, guys. I gave you a, uh, a solid B+. Plus. I gave a B+. Plus. I might move, I might bump it up to an A, but, uh, you know, you, uh, one of you thought that it wasn't intentional when the runner knocked down all the water bottles, and I believe that it had to have been intentional, so I'm giving it a B plus. So, mm. that's where I'm gonna sit on that. Um, moving forward, real quick, we're gonna cover some quick NFL, uh, NFL news. Um, we're getting close to the season, so just a, quick, a few quick questions I want to bounce back and forth here too. It's gonna feel a little like the speed round at first, but go ahead and take your time and just Think through these, uh, this Carson Wentz situation. Ben, you brought it up as uh, something that you may want to talk about. Carson Wentz was uh, picked up by the Colts and he is now injured and will be out for five to 12 weeks um, with a foot injury that he's now had surgery on. Uh, but also, Nick Foles has now hinted. It seems like Carson Wentz and Nick Foles can't ever get away from each other. Uh, Nick Foles has strongly, strongly suggested that he would like to play for the, for the Colts, saying, I am, a, I am with the Chicago Bears for now. <laughs> like, right now, I'm with the Chicago Bears. Which is the bigger story, or which is the better story? Carson Wentz's injury, or this Nick Foles infatuation with the Colts? To me, I think the better story has got to be, where does... Does Carson Wentz live in, like, a bus barn? Because I swear to God, that guy gets hit by a bus every other <laughs> day. He's had, like, one healthy season in his career. Yeah. I mean... And that that season was near MVP level. Um, you know, and it's just it one of those is. things. I'm like, this guy, who is his trainer? Who's his physical therapist? What is he doing in his mm. off time? You know, mm. like... I'm taking yeah. a real hard look into Carson Wentz's personal life at this point. I'm like, is he going out every night popping, locking? You know, like, this dude, he's got some joints that don't hold together. He's got some muscles that have some problems, some bones that, that break. He needs you know? to spend an offseason with Tom Brady just to figure out what he's doing. He, well, he needs to spend an offseason just in an iron suit, <laughs> honestly. Uh, I think that's about all he can do at this point. Um, you know, you never want yeah, to make fun I mean, of somebody for getting injured. No, no. But it's it, it. There always gets a point in someone's when they're just constantly injured that it almost becomes comical. I hope he gets better. I hope he can play at an MVP level again. But man, this guy's got to just walk around in an iron suit when he's not on the field now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and it's. It was also devastating to see because, like, Indy's defense is a top defensive unit. Their offensive line is a top offensive line unit. And it just seems like the dominoes started to fall as soon as uh, Carson Wentz got injured. You see Carson Wentz go out, and then immediately 
two of their top offensive linemen, uh, and one of them being Quentin Nelson, who is, uh, I I would say that he might be the best offensive lineman that we've seen in a long time, um, and I think he might be the best offensive lineman in the NFL. Um, but he went down with injury. Ryan Kelly went down with an injury. Uh, and then Darius Leonard, uh, your defensive captain, uh, goes down with injury too. It's just like, oh, there's hit after hit after hit. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, surely his fantasy stock is going to go down quite a bit, losing uh, your starting quarterback, losing two of your top-tier offensive linemen for a period of time. Um, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how this Colts team rebounds and moves forward uh, mm. post these injuries because um, I think they're going to roll with either Jacob Eason or Sam Ellinger for at least the first couple of weeks, at least through preseason, see what you got. See if you have a diamond in the rough. See if you have someone that can take Carson's place. And then, if not, maybe make a trade mm. week one, week two, something like that. I think that's... Because, um, I mean, I don't know if it'll be <laughs> a great thing bringing Nick Foles in, considering the history that him and Carson have. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Seems like it could be a, a recipe for disaster on that one, uh, especially when the Colts, like you were saying, looked so good. I mean, there were people saying they're Super Bowl contender. Uh, now, looking a little more shaky, maybe headed to a season of mediocrity or worse. Uh, but speaking of mediocrity, uh, and Ben, I'm sorry, but we're going to talk about your Cardinals uh, in this conversation, and then also the Las Vegas... Gonna- Gonna talk about the worst part of the yes. Cardinals, but. and then also the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, there are a couple coaches going into the season who, I mean, it's always interesting, especially in the NBA. It seems like there's been crazy coach changes after every season, but in the NFL as well, there are always jobs that open up, uh, coaches getting fired, moving on, things like that. Uh, and the Las Vegas Ra- Raiders and the Arizona Cardinals both have coaches who are a bit on the hot seat. But whose hot seat is hotter, uh, John Gruden or Cliff Kingsbury? Listen, I hope Cliff Kingsbury's seat is on fire. I hope that that man is his seat is engulfed in flames. If it were up to me, Cliff Kingsbury would be gone today, and we just learn a new playbook before the regular season starts. Mm. Um, I can't stand Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, I don't think he knows how to run an NFL offense. I don't think he knows how to run a winning team. Uh, I was skeptical when they first hired him, but I was like, okay, well let's let's give him a year or two to see if he can. I don't think he knows how to win. I genuinely, I don't think he has a grasp of NFL defenses. I don't think he has a grasp of NFL offenses. Uh, I don't, I think he's making it up as he goes along. The dude can't convert a third and short. He has one play on a third and short, and it's run Kyler Murray to the right. One play. Mm. I mean, he runs four verts. And then if nobody's open off those verts, run Kyler Murray. No one's ever open because they know what he's running every time. So he just runs Kyler Murray all it's the time. How I play, it's, it's how I play Madden, Ben. You're telling is, me that it doesn't work in the NFL? That's how I it, always play Madden. Yes. Cliff. It's like Cliff Kingsbury took his playbook from Madden. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is unbelievable to me that this man has a job. There is no way that you start off a season five and three and end up 8-8. Eight eight. I mean, 
With two yeah, very um, quality wins. I mean, the Bills was a huge, huge, huge win. Also beat the Seahawks in that in those first few games. You can't you can't finish eight and eight and miss the playoffs. It just can't happen. I hope I hope his seat is engulfed in flames. <laughs> I really do. Here's here's the unfortunate thing about both of these teams. They are in the two best uh, divisions in football. Uh, you got the NFC West, um, which is just ridiculous, ridiculous. Um, I could, you could see all four of those teams making the playoffs this year. Um, and then you got the AFC West, where the Raiders are. I think both of them could be like a two seed in any other division, but they're arguably the worst teams in their division, um, just because of um, how talented each team is in each of their divisions. Um, now, um, I think that Kingsbury has a better team built around him than Gruden does, so I think that Kingsbury's seat is hotter because um, you should you should be able to win with the team that Kingsbury has built around him. Um, you should be able to um, solidify yourself, even though you are in arguably the best division in football where you have three MVP candidates and uh, Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, and Matthew Stafford. Um, where you have to face a team like the 49ers who have one of the best defensive units in the NFL whenever they're healthy, one of the most electric offenses because of uh, Kyle Shanahan knowing how to incorporate everyone. Um, so I think Kingsbury's seat is the hottest just because of how quality that team is that he has built around him and how he should be able to perform, um, but how he's not mm. going to perform. Uh, so that's going to be something that's interesting to see. Um, the Raiders, they're, they're stuck, unfortunately, in, the, in a division where they're surrounded by uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, anyways, uh, and then you got uh, the Chargers, who... Justin Herbert is, I mean, it's hilarious that two of the most gifted quarterbacks in the NFL are in mm. the same division. Um, I think that those two guys are about to be uh, some of the big faces in the NFL. Um, and then you got a team like Denver, and their defensive squad is pretty intimidating as well. Um, they need to get that quarterback situation figured out. Um, I figure Teddy Bridgewater will be a little bit of an upgrade from Drew Locke, but still, um, I just don't think that uh, Vegas has what it takes to contend in that division. So I think that John Gruden's seat is pretty hot, considering that he's considered one of the better coaches of NFL history, um, or one of the more electric coaches in NFL history, um, having a pretty solid squad. Uh, like, Like I said, they could... They could probably win a division like the AFC South, um, but they're stuck in the AFC West. Can I just uh, add to that real quick? So I'm, I'm thinking, yeah. I, now, don't hold me to this because I don't think that this is necessarily truth, but I get the feeling of John Gruden, though, that his seat is, like, lukewarm because I think that the Raiders, it's about the most mm-hmm. Raiders thing that could possibly be done to just say 8-8 eight and eight every year. I mean, we don't have a losing record. Let's roll with it. And let John Gruden do his just absolute yeah. madness that he's doing over there that isn't 
it isn't how you run an NFL team, but it's how John Gruden runs everything. Like it's just crazy. So I think I it's think kinda... he I think even if they go eight and eight, uh, or well, I guess you can't go eight and eight anymore. But if they hang around that eight and eight mark, um, nine and like eight. I think they're gonna keep him. It's almost like Detroit with it's like Detroit with Dan mm-hmm. Campbell. Uh, you just bring in a funny head coach that is going to keep tensions light and uh, will be a likable coach that uh, your fan base will hopefully surround and support. Um, but you're not expecting a whole lot out of them. Now, granted, the Detroit Lions might be the worst team in the NFL next <laughs> season. Um, but What's new? What was that? I said, what's new? Uh, what's new is that they had a significant downgrade at quarterback. Mm. Uh, well, that's a perfect segue into our next question. Who is the worst team? Like, who is the team that you think will lock up the number one pick if you had to pick right now? Like, who's that team? The New York Jets. Mm. Every year. Until I see significant improvement from that team, the New York Jets. J-E-T-S. I think the... I think the Jets have a chance for it. I think that the Lions have a chance for it. And Marst, I'm sorry, but I think the Saints have a chance for it. Boo! We're not going to be that bad. We'll be mid-tier. Winston will be a hero. We'll be mediocre. We aren't going to be that bad. No. You're without Michael Thomas again. That's true. Are we moving on from the Drew Brees era? So you may just tank for the sake of tanking. Um, Alvin Kamara is going to take us at least to 8 and 8. I really believe it. Jameis Winston. See, I'm just not buying into Alvin Kamara. I know you are. I know you are. Jameis Winston. From that that sample size of what we've seen of Alvin Kamara without Drew Brees. Jameis Winston. (laughs) It's going to take a year at least to get settled in. Uh... So I could I could see them, <laughs> I could see them. James Winston, Ben, we are going to be watching. I think more people yeah, are going to be watching James Winston this year than have ever in his career because it's going to be something every every game. He's either going to be epically awesome if, if or I epically bad. His, his post. Really thinking about his his uh, training camp interviews so far have been. Top tier comedy. Really thinking about drafting him in the first round of fantasy just so I can look like a genius <laughs> if he is who I think he will be. Like, <laughs> could you imagine I draft him first round and he actually turns out to what I hype him up to be? Well, what's the team? Here's a question. So I think the Saints would be a dark horse uh, for Ben <laughs> of uh, competing this season. <laughs> so who's your dark horse contender? Who's somebody who you think, you know, last year what maybe wasn't in the playoffs or like this year looking like they won't be? Uh, but you know, you think they could sneak their way into into a wild card game at least. Uh, for me, just from watching games where we played them last year, um, give me Los Angeles, the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Um, they are they are scary talented. Um, you got a, a guy that I think is. I mean, he's at least a top seven receiver in the NFL, and Keenan Allen. Um, you have one of um, the best uh, receiving backs in the NFL, and Austin Eckler. You have a young quarterback with 
some generational talent in him and Justin Herbert. Uh, you have a solid wide receiver, too, in Mike Williams. Your offensive line got better with the addition of Sean Slater. And then you have a top-five safety leading uh, your defense in Derwin James. And you have Joey Bosa rushing uh, on the line. Um, I think that the Chargers are – I think they're going to be uh, second seed in the AFC West, but I think that they may have, like – even though they'll be second seed in the AFC West, they may have the second best record mm. in the AFC. Um, I, I could legitimately see that. Uh, I could see them just going out, and I think they may be able to take uh, four games in the division against... Uh, I think they could win both games against Denver and both games against Las Vegas. Um, and then who knows how they're going to do in regular season games. We'll see. I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued by them. I'm definitely I, intrigued by them. I, uh, I've been a supporter since day one. I like... I think you guys will be amazed what the Rams will do with Matt Stafford. Mm. Um, oh, no, I won't because I'm already expecting it. Yeah. I'll be amazed. I think I'll be amazed. Going to be not only, not only a dark horse playoff contender, I think Super Bowl. a dark horse MVP candidate. I think, I think they're a dark horse Super Bowl candidate. Uh, I think the <laughs> NFC, unlike the AFC, where the AFC is really between... I mean, most people would say the Chiefs, but Josiah, a resident Chiefs fan, also would like to include the Browns. Uh, I'd like to throw in the Titans. I think Julio will make a significant impact on that team. Uh, so where it's really down to one, two, or three teams, just depending on who you mm. ask in the AFC. I think the NFC is really wide, wide open. Um, I like the Rams. I really do. I like their talent. I think they're extremely talented. I think that they just had to make a move at quarterback, and I think uh, Matt Stafford was they the did. man. Well, you already know that I think the the Patriots are going to make a run towards a wild card game this year. I really do. I think I think they're going to steal one of those spots. Um, but that's just me. Now, do you think? Do you think Patriots with Cam or Patriots with Mac? I think it starts with Cam. I think they moved to Mac Mac. about a quarter of the way through the season uh, to see what he can do, and I think that he gets them up to enough that they can steal a spot in the wild card. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of Cam and a little bit of Mac in one game, uh, to be honest, before the transition happens. Um, Just to kind of maybe maybe use Cam as a red zone quarterback. Maybe, maybe we see that happen. I just, I don't, I think that Cam right now, what we've seen, his days of being a full-time NFL starter are behind him, uh, at least as a star. Mm. And so I think the, the Patriots are going to try to move to Mac as quick as they can, just to kind of set that tone for the future. Um, but that's my take there. Uh, real quick, just one team. Uh, I know there are a bunch. It's one of the hardest questions to ask because football's tough to tell who, who the favorite would be. But out of anybody that you think, just give me one name. Who would you say is the favorite for the Super Bowl? Uh, I'm going to guess that both me and Joe say the same name. I'm not even going to say another name. Uh, it's the Chiefs okay. for me. Mm-hmm. I, I think that Patrick Mahomes is a man on a mission, and I think that our team is uh, one of the most well-rounded uh, NFL teams uh, to date. Um, so give me the Chiefs. I agree with that, um, just because I think, to say anyone else, I mean, if we're just picking one uh, for a chance, they're clearly the most uh, Super Bowl ready right off the, the right out the bat. Um, obviously, you could say Tampa Bay because they're kind of running it back, but teams running it back rarely work. Um, and so I think 
give me the Chiefs too. So that'll wrap up our NFL conversation. Quick trivia question. Uh, it's a big deal. I know none of us are huge so uh, soccer fans, uh, but it's a pretty big deal whenever a superstar at this level uh, switches teams. Uh, Lionel Messi uh, leaving Barcelona. Uh, sounds like he's headed to uh, France to play in the Paris uh, club. It shows what I know. I don't even know for sure what they're called. So sorry if you're a soccer fan out there. But yeah. growing up, uh, it just seems like Lionel Messi has always been a star. Um, just as long as I can remember in soccer, he's been one of the faces of it. So when did Lionel Messi make his debut for Barcelona? What year did he make his debut? That is the trivia question. We will have the answer for you when we come back. You love to hate them. It's time for another edition of Unpopular Sports Opinions. All right, so we left you with a trivia question. What year did Lionel Messi make his debut for Barcelona in Spain? And that was in 2004, October 2004. So he has been there for a very long time. Uh, he made his debut at 17 years old, but he actually signed with the team at 14. So pretty incredible there, he is moving on. But now it's time for Unpopular Sports Opinions, and we're gonna start with Ben, what you got? Uh, I think that the Orlando Magic uh, should rename their team the Orlando Suck. Mm. Orlando Tragic, how about that? Because they're going to be bad. Orlando Tragic, I mean, I was just going for a basic, like, <laughs> even not even rhyming. They don't they're even bad. deserve the rhyme. That team doesn't have much. I looked at the roster. When your big signing in free agency is Robin Lopez. Whenever you already had Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba at the center. It's a little rough. Yeah. I, I don't know what that team is going to rough. do. I have no clue what that team is going to do. Uh... Unpopular opinion. If you're a fan of that franchise, leave. Move. Run. Run. Uh, my unpopular opinion this week. Uh, give me Lonzo Ball as most improved player of the year and potential all-star this season. Mm. I think that uh, Chicago is a much better place for him to thrive. Yeah. Um, I agree. I'm excited to see what he's going to do, having Levine next to him, having DeRozan next to him, having Vucevic down low. I'm excited to see this team. Patrick Williams possibly running the four. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Give me Alonzo Ball as most improved player. He's going to take that leap that uh, Julius Randle took whenever mm -hmm. he was mm -hmm. able to move on. Uh, a lot of these former Lakers um, who maybe have had to bounce between one or two teams to finally find themselves uh, – Give me Lonzo having that year this year. All right. Well, I have two things uh, kind of to say here. One, it's Olympics-based. Uh, baseball has been in and out of the Olympics here recently. It was in this year's Olympics because it was in Japan and they wanted it. Uh, it won't be in Paris. It wasn't in the last two. It will be back in L.A. I think, first off, they need to just go ahead and make up their mind. Baseball is it an Olympic sport or not, and leave it. And if they want to make it that, because so many countries love it, then just go ahead and do it and leave it there. Yeah. Uh, but also, second half of that, this is a sport that needs to be in the Olympics. I'm showing it to you guys, but it is a competitive tag. So look this up on YouTube if you are out there. Uh, you've got to see this. Yeah. It is incredible. 
Um, they chase each oh, other on yes. this course. They have a certain amount of time. They have to score points uh, back and forth to tag their opponent. They're basically acrobats sometimes around this course. It's amazing. Uh, go watch it. Most exciting thing you'll see this week. Um, should be an Olympic sport along with, in my opinion, baseball. All right, so there are unpopular sports opinions for this week. Guys, any other thoughts before we go? Great episode today. What are you thinking? Um, I'm excited for football. I'm excited for football. Go Chiefs. Absolutely, right around the corner, Yach. Anything you got to say? Go Chiefs. Go Chiefs. Go Saints. Who that nation? Bird gang. Red Sea, rise up. Hey, there it is. All right, well, we enjoyed being with you all today. Thank you for listening, and we will catch back up with you next week. Stay safe out there, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Marston Sipes Sports Podcast featuring Yach. Make sure to like and subscribe to the show on the streaming platform of your choice.